0: Today on the Matt Wall Show, as the economy teeters on the brink of collapse and many Americans are already finding that they have to choose between paying their mortgage this month and feeding their kids, uh, some government officials are hinting that the shutdowns could go on for weeks or months longer. Others, like President Trump, are suggesting that we should get the economy going again soon. I think Trump is on the right path here, and I'd like to talk about what opening up the economy again could look like and what steps we might take in order to protect the vulnerable as we get back to our lives, which we need to start doing soon. Also, uh, five headlines, including Madonna's very insightful uh, video that she shot from uh, her bathtub. A lot of people are making fun of it, but uh, but I thought she was, it was quite poetic and she offered some great insights into the coronavirus. Uh, we turn to people like Madonna in times like this. And that's why I'm so happy that all these famous people are making all these videos, uh, because I wouldn't know what to think or what to do without the famous people telling me. And in our daily cancellation, uh, I cancel yet another media outlet for maybe the most egregious, fear-mongering headline we have yet seen throughout this entire ordeal. All of that on the way. But first, a word from Takovas. You know, I, nothing nothing makes you feel more American, I say, than wearing cowboy boots. At least that's been my experience. I never, I I, I admit one of my one of my flaws, one of my few flaws, as a man, uh, up up until when I discovered Takovas, is that I had never worn cowboy boots, uh, and now I wear them all the time. Including, I put a, a, a picture up online a few weeks ago of um, uh, early on in the quarantine, I was wearing my sweatpants with cowboy boots because, in my opinion. You know, they go with any pants at all. And, that, and that's just my opinion. Don't quote me. Tacovas does not necessarily endorse sweatpants and, and cowboy boots, but I do. Uh, Tacovas cowboy boots are handmade with high-quality full-grain leather by world-class bootmakers. They're built to be comfortable right out of the box and for every occasion, you know, at home, in the office, out on the town. With tons of timeless styles, Tacovas are designed to be as fashionable 50 years from now as they are today. And that's uh, it's a, it's a great thing about having the timeless styles that you don't have to update it. Uh, you know, if you're if you're trying to keep up, up, up to date with uh, the footwear the kids are wearing these days, then you have to buy new shoes every three and a half days or whatever it is. But cowboy boots are uh, always fashionable, always great. And they cut out the middleman, sell direct to you at an honest price that's truly amazing for this level of quality. Plus, shipping, returns, and exchanges are free and easy. So do what I did. Get yourself a pair of Tecova's cowboy boots today at tecovas.com slash Walsh. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com slash Walsh, tecovas.com slash Walsh. Um, By the way, before we get going into the the topic at hand here, I have a question for any parents out out there. Tell me if if, if you're experiencing this. Maybe I just want to make myself feel better, but uh, maybe we're just extra lazy, my wife and I but we have basically given up on making sure that our kids get dressed into normal clothes throughout this quarantine. Um they haven't left they haven't left our house except to walk around, you know, outside for a week now or more. So my daughter at this point has worn nothing but pajamas since last Wednesday and both of my sons look like they got drunk and raided a party city. So here's what my younger son was dressed in yesterday. Let me just show you this Um, We've got the T-Rex rain boots, superhero pajama pants, leather jacket, and like a Native American buckskin shirt, and a plastic spoon that he says is his lightsaber. Actually, his lightsaber, it is Dark Vader's lightsaber, according to my son. He can't be convinced otherwise, by the way. That's how it's pronounced. That's all it is. I think he pulls it off, though. And this is why I get jealous of young kids, that they can wear stuff like that. I wish I could dress like that. If I could dress like that and get, get away with it, my wife would allow it. I would dress like that every day, but he pulls it off. Um, Now, I did, just so you know, of course, I did tell him that wearing that shirt is cultural appropriation, and I said cultural appropriation is violence, to which he responded, oh, okay, and then ran away, humming the uh, Darth Vader theme to himself. So this is a kid who just is not, frankly, is not very woke. Anyway, uh, President Donald Trump is now signaling that he wants to end these lockdowns. And uh, at the conclusion of our 15-day quarantine period, which is up on Friday, I believe, uh, we still don't know exactly what his plan would be or if he'll still feel this way on Friday. So we we don't know exactly. It's it's still somewhat vague. But last night he tweeted, We cannot let the cure be worse than the problem itself. At the end of the 15-day period, we will make a decision as to which way we want to go. Okay. The problem, of course, is that Trump doesn't have the power to tell individual governors in other states to end their lockdowns. So we could be headed to one hell of a showdown between Trump and state authorities across the country. Who knows how that's going to shake out. Meanwhile, as expected, this this tweet from Trump has provoked lots of panicky, overblown responses as literally every single tweet of his does. This especially though, uh, and people are talking about how Trump is going to kill your grandparents and, and so on and so forth. The governor of New York, on the other hand, has implied that his state may remain locked down for months. He hasn't said that exactly. No official has said that exactly, but but as this has gone on, you have you have more and more of them, with the exception of Trump, who seem to be indicating that yeah, fifteen days probably not. That could be three weeks, four weeks, four months. Who knows? Um, they 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 at least are are indicating that the potential of a months-long lockdown of millions of people is a possibility that they're weighing it's an option that they're considering uh now the cuomo the governor of new york also justified over the weekend these draconian measures by saying even if it saves one life it will be worth it this is reminiscent of what the mayor of los angeles said last week and we talked about where he was asked directly what what about the economic impact what about all the people who are going to be out of a job uh, isn't this isn't this too much? Is it, and he's you know isn't not it not worth the cost? He said every life is precious. Oh, well, that's all I could say. Every life is precious. On the and we'll get back to that in just a second. Those those responses. On the economic side, as Yahoo Finance reports, uh, real estate billionaire Tom Barrick said the U.S. commercial mortgage market is on the brink of collapse and predicted a domino effect of catastrophic economic consequences. And the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis President James Bullard predicted this weekend that very soon the unemployment rate could hit 30%. 30%. So put that in context. The worst unemployment rate in American history, as far as I'm aware, was 25%. And that was during the Great Depression. 25%. That's the worst ever. He's talking about worse than the worst ever unemployment rate. Uh, The worst unemployment rate in my lifetime, and probably in your lifetime too, depending on how old you are, was about 10%. Now, the unemployment rate rarely hits double figures, double digits. And when it does, already people are starting to freak out. This would be three times worse than the worst we've ever seen. And that's where we stand right now. We've got some government officials hinting that these shutdowns could go on for a long time. We've got others, well, mainly just Trump, ind- indicating that they're coming to an end. Uh, and we've got the economy on the brink of collapse. Of catastrophe, collapse, you know, whatever words you want to use. Uh, and that's not that's not being dramatic or or panicked. That's the collapse of the commercial mortgage market is a catastrophe. 30% unemployment is a catastrophe. And those two indicators are just the beginning. They barely scratch the surface. Think about this. The the state of New York, the city of New York, uh, I should say, is is the economic hub, or one of the major, at least, economic hubs of the United States. If just New York were to shut down on its own, if if it were just New York shutting down for weeks at a time, that would send shockwaves. That alone could be catastrophic. The restaurant industry uh, employs about 13 million Americans. If just the restaurant industry were to shut down, the domino effect of that could be catastrophic for the whole economy. Uh, You think about companies like, think about professional sports, all of the money that they pump into the economy, if just they were to shut down, again, you would have potentially catastrophic domino effects. Well, all of this is happening at the same time. That and much more. Now, I've said that uh, uh, I'm on board with Trump's 15, day, 15 days to slow the spread. That's what we originally told. I think we can survive 15 days. I'm not sure what exactly it will prove to have accomplished with respect to the virus. And that's where I've been saying all along, I, I have no choice but to leave that to the scientists. I don't know. With 15 days of a lockdown, what is that really going to do? Hopefully, it'll do something. Maybe, if I had to guess, maybe it gives our hospital and med- hospitals and medical community and, and scientists uh, a chance to, to catch up, basically. Um, scientists who are working on treatments and, 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 uh, and, uh, and uh, working on a vaccine gives them a little bit of time to, to catch up. Maybe that's what this is doing. And maybe that's a significant thing worth the cost. But when I say worth the cost, it's, it's important to note that the cost has already already been substantial for a lot of people. Over the weekend, I asked uh, people to send me their stories. I solicited this on Twitter, asking people who've lost a job or lost income over the last week or two because of these shutdowns to you know either send, write a comment or send me a message telling me their situation, what their story is. And I got hundreds of messages. I read many of them. They're they're pretty harrowing, and keep in mind it's been only a week for most people. Now, I originally planned to share some of these stories on on the show, but so many of them include so many personal details about people's situation, their financial situation. Uh, not that they're giving me their bank account information or something. I just mean you know their personal details about their jobs and everything that part of the story. So I I'm, I'm, I don't feel comfortable sharing that even if they gave me permission. So I'm not going to do that. Suffice it to say from what i'm reading lots of people are already nearly in a financially dire state small business small business owners especially can't just drop to zero revenue even for a week without there being significant consequences potentially fatal consequences to their business we we can't that's not how business works it's not how the economy works you can't put it on pause cryogenically freeze it or maybe stuff it in your freezer like a like a pack of ground beef And then thought back up, you know, thought again, and returned to normal like nothing happened. The economy doesn't work that way. Business doesn't work that way. And many working families are paycheck to paycheck. If someone was working paycheck to paycheck, living paycheck to paycheck, and you take one paycheck away, it's going to have a cascading effect in their lives that could be nearly ruinous. So it seems like, if this is over after one week, after one more week. Most people, many people, will narrowly avoid the financial brink narrowly, and not everybody. I got one message from a woman, just one example. A woman, single mother, left an abusive relationship recently, got a job recently, uh, was 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 starting to you know starting to get into the to the into the swing of things at her job, loses her job because it's in the restaurant industry when they, when that shuts down. Now she's at a shelter with no income, uh, her three kids, and, and no job. Lots of stories like that. That's after one week. So what does it look like if things continue for a month, two months? Well, it looks like a disaster. I mean, it looks like thousands of businesses going under, millions of people out of a job, unable to pay their rent or their mortgage, unable to feed their kids, destitution, desperation on a massive scale, this, again, is not, not some sort of dramatic doomsday prophecy. How do you avoid that? If the government prevents people from working for weeks and weeks at a time, what's going to happen? People need money to live. Now, um, we'll have more to say about this in just a moment. And I want to get into uh, the justifications that were being given by government officials, which to me have been very disturbing especially in the last few days, the things that are being said have been disturbing to me. And I want to talk about that in just a second. But first, uh, a word from LifeLock. You know, right now especially, a lot of hackers are bored, tight on money, stuck at home, on their computers. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's not good for you, especially if you're sending your private information using the computer uh especially as we head into tax season now thank god tax season has been, has been extended a little bit longer so we have now until july 15th but still we're in that a lot of people are, do, are, are are you know trying to take care of the taxes doing other things online you've got these hackers there um and your name your social security information lots of valuable info about yourself is is uh, is being emailed around and that means that there are hackers there who can take it pluck it and then uh and then sell it on the dark web or use it to commit identity theft so many other possibilities To help prevent this, that's why you need LifeLock. The number one most recognized brand in identity theft protection, LifeLock monitors for uses of your personal info, alerts you to possible suspicious activity, and if you become a victim of identity theft, a, a dedicated identity theft restoration specialist will work to fix it for you. So no one can prevent all identity theft all the time, but having LifeLock means one less thing that you have to worry about. And that's a huge help right now because nobody needs more things to worry about. I think it's the one thing we don't need is more things to worry about. So um, join now and save up to 25% off your first year. Just go to lifelock.com slash Walsh. That's lifelock.com slash Walsh for 25% off. All right. Governor Cuomo says uh, Governor Cuomo says all of this is worth it if it saves one life. That's obviously insane. That logic is insane. It's the logic of a madman. If he really believes it, he's a madman. I don't think he really does. In fact, given that he's, given that the abortion clinics are still open, because apparently they are essential, being able to kill your baby during this time is essential, that makes me even more sure that Governor Cuomo doesn't mean it. If you want to save just one life, shut down the the abortion clinics and nothing else, and you've saved millions of lives, not just one. But as I said, it disturbs me greatly that the people making these calls are saying things like this. They aren't giving us science and data and numbers. They aren't aren't showing us that they've weighed the consequences of, of economic collapse against the consequences of an uncontrolled outbreak. They aren't showing that. If they've done it, they aren't telling us. If they've run these calculations and taken seriously... The effects of an economic collapse, we're we're getting very little indication of that from the people in power, especially from these governors who are shutting everything down. Instead, they're giving us platitudes, ambiguities. That's not good enough. You can't plunge our country into a Great Depression and ruin the lives of millions of people with this as your stated reason. If it saves one life, it'll be worth it. Now, as I said last week, I'm not sure exactly what the balance is. At what point does the potential number of lives saved actually justify a potential Great Depression and millions of destitute people? I don't know. I damn sure know, though, it isn't one. One person isn't going to do it. And because I don't know where that line is exactly or or when exactly it is crossed, I have to think of it this way. Let's weigh the worst case scenarios. The absolute worst case scenarios on both sides. Because we're hearing a lot of the worst-case scenario on the health side, on the disease side of it. We're getting a lot of that. We all know what the worst-case scenario is because we've been told millions of times now. Um, Worst-case scenario there is we get the economy going, people get back to their lives, the disease picks up with a vengeance, millions of mostly elderly and sick people die, hospitals are overwhelmed, and uh, many more die because of that. On the other side, though, and this is the part that, that many of these government officials aren't talking about on the other side we shut everything down for many weeks tens of millions of people lose their jobs wide swaths of the population plunged into destitution parents unable to feed their children many die from lack of shelter lack of food many more die from suicide as they watch their lives unravel before them and american society as we know it is finished worst case I'm not saying either of those worst cases will happen, but they are the worst cases. And anybody who advocates for one solution over the other and has not grappled with the worst-case outcome of their solution should be ignored, in my opinion. Um, now, and, and it's been it's been troubling that that so many people advocating for indefinite lockdowns are not even acknowledging the possibility of a great depression, potentially worse than the first Great Depression and are therefore not grappling with what such a thing would mean and what the human cost would be much of what we get from folks on that side if you start talking about this they'll say really stupid things like oh, all you care about is your 401k and, and your your paycheck and your your uh, your portf- I've gotten this a lot all you care about is your portfolio. You think working families that are living paycheck to paycheck, trying to figure out how to feed their kids, you think they're worried about their portfolio? You think they have a portfolio? No. They need to feed their kids. They need money to do it. It's a real simple equation here. Um, you know, so, on my end, as, I, as I've thought about this, the uh, conclusion I've come to that I think It's better to risk the former worst case than the latter. Better to risk the disease killing lots of people, which is a horrible thing. Again, we're we're dealing with worst cases here. But better to risk that than to intentionally destroy our economy and the lives of millions of people in order to maybe prevent the disease from doing that. I'm not aware of any country ever intentionally plunging itself into a depression in order to avoid a virus, or to avoid anything. As far as I'm aware, no country has ever tried that method before to solve any problem. Uh, I think probably we shouldn't be the first. Now, you've probably heard this by now, but when weighing these matters, um, I keep thinking about, a lot of people have thought about this quote because I've seen it all over the place. And I think it's worth, if you haven't heard it, I think it's worth reading uh, a C.S. Lewis quote from an essay about living in the atomic age, as he did. So this isn't obviously about a viral pandemic, and it's not exactly analogous, but there is some comparisons here that can be made. So here's what he, uh, in one of his essays, here's what he says. He says, In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb How are we to live in an atomic age i am tempted to reply why as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited london almost every year and as you would have lived in a viking age when raiders from scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night or indeed as you are already living in an age of cancer an age of syphilis an age of paralysis an age of air raids an age of railway accidents an age of motor accidents in other words do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation believe me dear sir or madam you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented, and quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had, indeed, one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics, but we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long, long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made, And the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts. Not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that. But they need not dominate our minds. Now, that doesn't mean that I think we should fling open the doors and charge back into our normal daily lives uh, while ignoring the coronavirus and just accepting that people are going to die. Obviously, that's not what we should do. Obviously, no matter what you do, you you have to try to avoid the worst outcome. Right now, the government is trying to avoid economic ruin by keeping things locked down and sending us checks. Well, they haven't sent any checks yet. They're still debating it. I think they should send the checks. But I don't think that plan is sustainable. So rather than keeping everything locked down indefinitely while taking specific steps to hopefully avoid economic ruination, why not open things up again and take specific steps to hopefully avoid mass casualties from an outbreak? Why not take it from that direction? Um, I have an idea of what that might look like, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But first, if you haven't had a chance to see some of our new content called um, All Access Live, you should head over to dailywire.com, check it out. Jeremy Boring and Ben Shapiro kicked it off last week. Then uh, we did all, we all did live streams each day over at dailywire.com. And we'll continue all of this week as well at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. All Access Live is a lot more relaxed than our normal programming. It isn't really a show. It's less focused on bringing you news and information. It's more about sitting down and having a conversation with, with you at the end of a long day. Uh, we've been getting a lot of amazing messages from our Daily Wire community during these trying times. And we could see that they're trying, that they're uh, coming from a, a positive and heartfelt place. Um, so I, I think that these, these live streams are great, not just for our viewers, but also for, for us as well. I, I really enjoyed, personally, kind of therapeutic to sit down and, and have a conversation that goes many different ways, isn't necessarily focused all the time on, on this thing that we've been talking about now incessantly for weeks. This show is uh, intended for our all access members, but during this national emergency and time of isolation, we've opened it up to all of our members and in doing so accelerated the launch. So please let us know what you think of it. And uh, if you're around at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific tonight, join us on All Access Live over at DailyWire.com. I'll be doing one, I believe, on uh, Wednesday again. So I'll talk to you then on Wednesday. Now, um, how about this for night? Rather than keeping everything locked down indefinitely while taking specific steps to hopefully avoid economic ruination, why not? Um, again, open things up. We take specific steps, though, while we're doing that to avoid mass casualties from an outbreak. Just a brainstorm here. tell Tell me what the problem would be with something like this. A potential plan we could think about. Number one, open the economy up. Let young and healthy people work, feed themselves and their families. Two, quarantine the nursing homes, keep them quarantined. Three, tell other, especially at-risk people to remain home for now. Four, test aggressively. And if somebody has the virus, quarantine them. Aggressively. Now, it seems to me that this plan has a better chance of avoiding devastation from the disease than a shutdown with stimulus checks has of avoiding a depression. And maybe that's the way we should be thinking about this right now. There are no perfect answers. There may not even be any good answers, but there are answers that can better account for the potential worst case scenario on the other side. Uh, And here's the good thing. If we do this and we get people back to work, then we don't need to keep sending people checks. I I think that people should get at least the one stimulus check to compensate them for what they've lost uh, in, in the last week or two, but we don't need to keep doing it. And if everyone's back at work, then we could be more targeted, and we could start thinking about the the at risk. Let's say there's someone who's even younger and has severe asthma and says, "It's I can't risk it. I can't go out right now. Has to stay home." Okay, well, uh, or or you might have a you know an older person, an elderly person even, who doesn't have a retirement savings, can't live live off of social security alone, and so depends on their job at Kroger. They can't go back to work either. There's going to be lots of people in that in that boat. A lot fewer, though, than there are right now where everybody's at home. So in this scenario, we could be more targeted and focus on supporting those people, finding relief for them specifically. It'd be a lot easier to do, a lot cheaper to do, and we could be a lot more specific with it. I certainly don't think that we should go back to work and tell people who, who can't work still to stay home and say, well, you're on your own, figure it out. No, no, no. We should take care of them. It would be a lot easier to do, though, if we're not plunging everybody else into destitution as well. I have heard uh, one other quick thing, uh, the objection I've heard from people of, well, what about those who have elderly people in the home? Let's say you're living with an elderly parent. You go off to work, you come home, you pass it off to them. What about that? Well, listen, um, maybe an analogy here. As I mentioned on the show, probably frequently as I was whining about it, I had the flu a few months ago. It was the flu. It wasn't the coronavirus. Tested positive for the flu. Pretty severe case of it. Um, and now, the flu, yes, is not the same as the coronavirus, but the flu is more deadly. Is in fact much, as far as we know, is much deadlier to kids, especially babies, than is the coronavirus. And so, uh, you know, when I had the flu, we have a newborn at home. It's a a big problem. I've got a severe case of the flu. I've got a newborn, plus three other young kids. If they get it, especially if the baby gets it, that could be potentially fatal. And so what did I do? I quarantined myself up here in this room. Uh, It's like the upper area of of our house. I quarantined myself, and I didn't come out for days. And it was tough. It was especially tough on my wife, but it was what we had to do. So my point is, if 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 parents are already doing that with respect to the flu when it comes to their babies and their young kids, considering the flu is, again, deadlier to, to children than the coronavirus is, parents that are already doing that, have been doing that for years. These are the kind of measures you have to take to make sure babies and, and other uh, and your kids don't get the flu. Uh, well, then why, why can't a similar thing be done with elderly people and the coronavirus? Just, you know, all, already parents, even if they don't have the flu. Most parents, if they're responsible, exercise great caution during flu season, especially with their kids when it comes to germs and everything else. And it's a lot harder to do with kids because you can't convince them to wash you can't convince a two-year-old to wash his hands or to keep his hands out of his mouth. You just can't do it. With older people, you can tell them, wash your hands, don't put your hands in your mouth. Pretty easy. To at least avoid avoid doing that. So why couldn't we take a, a step like that? If you have an elderly person in the home, why can't you do something similar? as to what I did to protect my baby uh, when I had the flu. I I mean, you know, I know it's not easy. There there aren't any easy answers here, but there are potentially answers that don't involve destroying the entire economy and plunging millions of people into poverty. Now, let's move on to to headlines. Um, Five headlines, number one, CNN headline says, California's beaches, hiking trails, and parks were packed with people over the weekend, despite a state order to shelter in place and avoid close contact with others. Now, this kind of thing, people still going to beaches and parks, has provoked, in keeping with the theme, uh, lots of anger and panicky responses from people saying that these folks on the beach are going to get all of our grandparents killed, et cetera. And I'll probably get myself into trouble here with this, but I have to say, and I have to just be honest, I I really don't see the problem with going to a beach. I haven't this whole time. I don't really understand why people are freaking out about about folks going to the beach or going to a park. I'm not saying to go run out to the beach on my word. Don't listen to me. I've already told you that. But I'm just telling you what my feelings are. I, I, I don't see the issue. I mean, look at this photo that CNN has provided with their article. You look at this. I don't know if I assume this is a photo from what the beach looked like this weekend. Uh, it's, their, it's their photo. Okay, well, it's hard to tell in the background. But at least in the foreground, you see, you see uh, there are little clumps of people, presumably families. And they're pretty nicely spaced. There appears to be several feet in between all of them. So let me ask you, what are the chances that somebody contracts the virus on the beach, in the heat, in the sun, when they're sitting on the sand 10 feet or 20 feet away from the nearest other person? Even if that other person has the virus, and even if they cough, and even if they direct their cough right in your direction, and these are all big ifs, what are the chances even then that you would contract it 10 feet away, outside, on the beach, in the sun? I'm not saying it's non-existent. I'm not saying it's impossible. I just, what are the chances? Is it nearly large enough statistically to justify even mild concern? And if you aren't gonna get the virus from somebody coughing several feet away outside, then where will you get it? On the sand? In, in the seawater? Um, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it, it, it's, here's another way of, of thinking about it. If I were to call the health department and say that I was on the beach and somebody with the virus coughed five yards away, would they, would they give me a test? Would they? Or would they be more likely to laugh me off the phone? Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, I, I've taken my kids to the park several times. I, I admit, I confess, I've taken my kids to the park. We've been outside walking. There's not anybody within several feet of us. Uh, I, I really don't see the issue. I, I just don't. Number two, multiple reports last night say that Harvey Weinstein has, uh, or Weinstein has, tested positive for the coronavirus in prison, which means in the span of about a week, Harvey Weinstein got sentenced to 23 years in prison. I believe it was 23, and also then contracted coronavirus. Not a great week, I have to say. Of all the weeks a person can have, that's probably not going to be in the top 10 in terms of favorability ratings. But. I've seen people online claiming that this is karma for uh, Harvey Weinstein. All I have to say is, it's a karma. Listen, if you orchestrated a whole pandemic just to get Weinstein, then might I suggest, next time, consider being a little bit more surgical in your approach to these matters. Just a suggestion, far be it from me. Number three, during the lockdowns, a group of uh, leftist anti-Trump people have been pulling a Robin Hood act, or at least what they think is a Robin Hood act, by stealing from grocery stores and giving the stolen goods to the homeless. Uh, they took a video of themselves doing this, so uh, check this out.
1: Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest, laughing back and forth at what the other one has to say. Reminiscing this and that and having such a good time, hooda lolly, golly, what a day. Never ever thinking there was danger in the water they were drinking, they just guzzled it down. Never dreaming that a scheming sheriff and his posse were watching them and gathering around.
0: This just shows how, how false and cheap the concern for the poor is among these people. Did you see the floors and countertops in that house? The house of the thief? Uh, I mean, they look like faux wood and faux granite, but still, that's not a poor person's home. That's an upper-middle-class home, the kind of home where you can afford to pay extra for floors and countertops that look more expensive than they are. So I'm sure my point is that these people could go out and afford to buy some lunches and and supplies for the homeless. Instead, they'd steal it. They steal it from a local, local grocery store where paying customers, working families, will now be deprived of those supplies that they need and can't buy because they were stolen. Uh, This is not charity. This is not generous. Anybody can do that. Anyone can go steal. It's also demeaning and dehumanizing to the homeless people. You're you're enlisting unsuspecting homeless people as accomplices in your endeavors. You're giving them stolen goods without telling them that's what it is. Do you think the homeless man eating that food knew that it was just down the pants of a thief who stole it from the grocery store? So throw these people in jail and throw away the key. That's that's my feeling of that. Number four, uh, the New York Health Department uh, has released a guide to having sex in the age of the coronavirus because this is what we need the government for, of course, um, to dispense this kind of advice. And uh, I, 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 I thought I would read some of this to you, but I, I really can't actually because it is so graphic in the sexual advice they're giving. But to summarize, what they're saying is Because of the coronavirus, you probably don't want to have sex with strangers. Uh, You probably want to have sex with, you know, people who are in a close circle to you. Um, And uh, you probably want to just exercise precaution. So uh, it seems what they're saying is that that having sex with random strangers actually isn't healthy or safe. Turns out that you should, like, I don't know, um, maybe even be devoted to or committed to, maybe even love, the person you have sex with. You might even want to consider being, what's it called? What's that thing? Uh, married. Yeah, maybe that's it. Then you, then you really don't have to worry about it. If you're married to your spouse and you're both quarantined, no concern. Number five, Madonna made some waves, pun intended. You'll get it when you see the video and then you'll laugh hysterically at my pun. Uh, it made some waves yesterday with a coronavirus-related video that she posted A lot of people are making fun of it. I think it's insightful, poetic, philosophical, inspiring. Check it out.
1: That's the thing about COVID-19. It doesn't care about how rich you are, how famous you are, how funny you are, how smart you are, where you live, how old you are. What amazing stories you can tell. It's the great equalizer. And what's terrible about it is what's great about it. What's terrible about it is it's made us all equal in many ways. And what's wonderful about it is that it's made us all equal in many ways. (laughs) Like I used to say at the end of human nature every night, we're all in the same boat. The
0: ship goes down; we're all going down together. Yes, yes, Jarvis. Uh, please fetch a camera and a harpist. I'm in the tub, covered in rose petals, and I have some, I have some insights I'd like to share with the common folk. Yes, please. Um, well, listen. I get why she's concerned. First of all, the disease does especially affect the elderly, so it makes sense that you know she would be taking it personally. But you see how desperate these celebrities are for attention. They're stuck in their homes without paparazzi without cameras in their face all the time. And it's driving them crazy. And these are the same people who usually say they don't like all the attention, they don't like the paparazzi. Well, you put them in a home for a week without it, and look what happens. They're they're, they're desperate. Anything they can do. So this is maybe one of the best reasons for stopping the quarantine, because what are these people gonna be doing in a month? A month from now, I swear, we we forget about it. We are three days away from Miley Cyrus performing ritualistic cannibalism on Facebook Live, just for attention. We are three days away from it. You heard it here first. Now um, we'll get to my uh, to the daily cancellation before we wrap things up for the day. Today we'll be canceling MSN for the following headline. Take a look at this: Drug touted by Trump to possibly treat virus can kill in just two grams. Now, some background on this. Trump has been talking about a drug called uh, chloroquine, I think it's how it's pronounced, which could maybe potentially treat the China virus. Um, and the media has been very angry at Trump for mentioning this positive news. They don't like him mentioning positive news. In fact, CNN, which could also be canceled, but I guess there's always an opportunity to cancel them, so I, I'll let this one slide. They accused Trump of, quote, peddling unsubstantiated hope, which really takes cynicism to a new level. I'm a cynic, and and even I've never used that phrase before. Unsubstantiated hope. That's not even cynical. That's like something Spock would say, or something that a a barely sentient robot. Your hope is unsubstantiated. Your hope has a 3.2% probability rating. Unsubstantiated hope. We rate your hope unsubstantiated. So MSN comes with uh, this angle, though. They say two grams could kill you. Two grams! That sounds scary, doesn't it? Sounds scary until you realize that literally any substance you put into your body could be broken down and then categorized as potentially deadly. So I'll give you some examples. All of these headlines are technically true, but obviously misleading. Tylenol, touted by many to treat headaches, can kill in just 0.3 ounces. Caffeine, found in products sold by Starbucks and Coca-Cola, can kill in just two teaspoons. Vitamin A found in popular vegetables like carrots can cause dizziness, nausea, and death if taken in the wrong dose. Think drinking water is a good idea? 14 people have died from consuming too much of it. And so on. Now, I don't know anything about this drug that that Trump is talking about, um, but I, I do know that any substance can kill you if taken in the wrong dosage. And when it comes particularly to medicines, it doesn't take much of it. Which is why there's a lot of chemistry involved in figuring out the correct dosage. But if you don't understand the chemistry, then it's it's pretty easy to be terrified. And I don't understand the chemistry, so I, it's easy to terrify me with this stuff. So sometimes, I, I mean, even I'll fall for it when I hear these headlines of, uh, uh, or, or someone says, oh, did you know that, 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 that so many different kinds of fruit have arsenic in them? Arsenic? Gasp. Yes, well, arsenic occurs naturally in soil and does end up in very small amounts in your apples and your oranges. That only sounds scary because we don't know chemistry and because we watch a lot of spy movies where arsenic is a, is used as a poison to kill the bad guys. Now it is it is that it can be a poison, but it's also a chemical element founds in lots found in lots of stuff. And it takes lots of it to poison you. Just like H2O can Well, in fact, water can easily kill you if if even a little bit goes in your lungs. It doesn't take much water in your lungs to kill you. Um, And even if it goes in the right place, even if it goes down the right tube and you drink it, uh, even then, uh, if you drink too much, it could kill you. Now, granted, you'd have to drink a whole hell of a lot of it to suffer water intoxication, but that is a real thing. People have died from it, and maybe one day... Maybe if I'm in the mood, I'll tell you, if you want a good laugh, I'll tell you the story of the time that uh, many years ago when I thought that I had water intoxication because I had just read about it for the first time and realized that I've been doing a lot of running th- th- in the past week and had been drinking a lot of water. And I convinced myself that I had water intoxication and I went to the doctor to ask about it and the doctor laughed in my face, literally laughed. Have you ever, have you ever been laughed in your face by a doctor? Has that ever happened to you? You want to talk about dehumanizing. There are a few things more embarrassing than that. To have your doctor laughing at you. But um, yes, he did laugh. And explained to me that, uh, now you'd have to drink. I don't know what it is exactly. But you'd have to, it's happened to some people. But you'd have to drink a lot. A lot, a lot. Anyway, um, that's not the point today. I'm not the the canceled one. All right? MSN is for their absurd fear-mongering headline. And uh, so that's the end of MSN. I've just canceled them. All right. And I suppose we will leave it there, uh, and hope everyone is is hanging in there through these uh, shutdowns. Hopefully we'll, hopefully there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Be safe out there, God bless and Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Claven Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, Executive Producer Jeremy Boring, Supervising Producer Mathis Glover, Supervising Producer Robert Sterling, Technical Producer Austin Stevens, Editor Danny D'Amico, Audio Mixer Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020.
1: Hey, everyone, it's Andrew Klavan, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Trump is fighting the virus, the press is fighting Trump, and Joe Biden is rambling incoherently. So even in this crisis,
0: everyone remains exactly who he is. We'll take a look at the way we live now on The Andrew Claven
1: Show.